This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Hello, good afternoon. You've been listening to the news with Bob Kompsik, and then you know that Marco Muzzo has been sentenced to a 10-year prison term, minus the term time served that he's already been waiting for his sentence, followed by a 12-year driving ban. You probably remember the story well, especially leading up to today's sentencing. 29-year-old son of a late billionaire arrives home on a private jet last September from his bachelor party in Miami, gets into his vehicle at Pearson Airport, drives at a high rate of speed at three times the legal blood alcohol limit, runs a stop sign, crashes into a van in Vaughan, and takes four lives, injures two others, all from the same family. Does this sentence fit the crime? Was justice served? If not, what do you think the sentence should be? And should he ever be allowed to drive again? As it stands, the day he is released from custody is the day the 12-year driving ban begins. We're going to have this conversation here on Fight Back with Libby Snymer, your guest host, Jane Brown. Love to hear from you to hear your thoughts on drunk driving sentences in general, and in particular to this case as well, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Mad Canada CEO Andrew Murray joins us on the line. Andrew, your reaction to the sentence? Well, I, it was in the range where we thought it would be. Um, we thought the Crown Attorney had done a really good job of uh, looking at the case law in other cases and outlining a, a sentence that was appropriate for the actions and appropriate for a sentence that uh, would not be appealed uh, to the Court of Appeal. Let's go to Sam and Brantford. Andrew, uh, Andrew, what do you think about the sentence today? Yes, how are you doing? Um, not only this sentence, what has to be changed in the justice system is they have to take out the word concurrent and make it consecutive when there is more than one victim. In this case here, it should be nine years or five years for each victim. And also, they have to take out the word good behavior. When you are sentenced to go to jail for five years, it should be five years. Those are the two things that I would hope that the justice system changes. Okay, good point, Sam. Uh, and you obviously feel very passionate about uh, your opinion. What do you think about that, Andrew? Is that uh, realistic to have sentences served one at a time until he finishes uh, uh, finishes doing his time for the four deaths that he caused? Yeah, it's something that Mad Canada would be very supportive of is consecutive sentencing so that uh, you know, a lot of families that are impacted by impaired driving don't feel that, you know, when there's multiple deaths or multiple injuries, that the sentence really is enough. And so um, certainly there is a 
a private member's bill that's going through the federal parliament right now that has consecutive sentencing in it, and it's something that we do support. Well, that would make a huge difference. Well, if if that was law in this country, in this province, what would the sentence, what would the maximum sentence have been today? Well, you, you have a maximum sentence of life, no matter if even consecutive sentencing was in place. And so it would change the whole way uh, sentencing is done in the court. So you really can't compare today to what it would look like in the future because you know, each one of those deaths would have had a penalty attached to it, and each one of those injuries would have had a penalty attached to it. So it's a whole different uh, way of sentencing that uh, would be sort of almost revolutionary for our, our Canadian justice system. Is that kind of sentencing done anywhere else in the world for this type of crime? Uh, yeah, there's a number of countries where it's done. Uh, you know, United States, depending on the state, uh, there is um, uh, sentencing that's done for each uh, death that happens in these types of situations. 416-360-0740, looking for your reaction to the sentencing of Marco Muzzo. Ten-year prison term minus the time served already, followed by a 12-year driving ban. Ed from Toronto, what do you have to say about that? I think this is a case that's tried on uh, publicity by the media and so on. That lady, um, I I don't blame her for going on and talking about her loss of all her children and and grandfather, etc. But I want people to call into this uh, station that have been young and have not made a mistake. And this is a mistake. Without any question, he was returning from a special event. Whether it had been, whether he'd been a billionaire or just an ordinary guy, got off a plane that was flying in from uh, Miami or from wherever, or a guy leaving a, a, a stag party or something in in Toronto or uh, wherever, this was definitely a mistake. And I want people that are throwing the stones to say that they have never made a mistake like that on a celebration that they've gone to where people maybe are trying to feed them drinks or whatever, and they're the host or they're the uh, honored guest. And consecutive, I don't think, if we're looking at things in a realistic uh, way, uh, it doesn't matter whether it was one person in there that he killed or four. This mistake is the same mistake. If we're looking at things practically uh, in a justice sort of a way, um, and we shouldn't be trying to set precedents because of media coverage, and the media coverage was huge in this case, as you know. Well, I mean, uh, it was uh, what happened was just horrific yeah, well, because right. we, we all, you know, Ed, we all put ourselves, all of us who are parents, who are children, we put ourselves in that mindset of losing our entire family in one go. That's why it's had the attention it's had. Yeah, well, here's the problem. The mistake is the same, whether it was in that situation or he killed just an 80-year-old person or something walking on the street. The mistake was the mistake that he overindulged, and once he lost his senses... uh, whether he was a, a billionaire's son or a guy that's just working 
washing dishes is the same mistake. But but Ed, he could have he could have in his state of not being inebriated to the point of urinating himself. Being a billionaire is relevant yeah, because he no, no just just listen I just I let you speak so just just hear me out here. Being a billionaire is relevant. And it's relevant because knowing he was coming back on his private jet, imbibing, having a great time, uh, celebrating with his buddies, he could have arranged for a limo, 10 limos to pick him up. Here's the thing. You just said the magic word, knowing. When you get intoxicated, everybody knows that you don't know what you're doing. You said the magic word yourself. That's exactly what I'm driving at. When you become intoxicated... Your judgment isn't. Everybody says your judgment's impaired, right? Now, I'm going to compare this to another case where a man was sober and uh, he murdered a guy on an empty streetcar, a young Sammy Yateen. Mm-hmm. Now, they're talking about four years. Now, he deliberately, and, and he's never owed up that he deliberately murdered that boy. And here, this guy was in prison over Christmas, over his so-called wedding date, over to New Year's, and went to court and didn't want to cause any more grief and admitted to all these things so the trial wouldn't drag on. Well, I'll give I you this. That is taking responsibility. Yeah. But when somebody murders somebody on an empty streetcar, and they're talking about only four years, and the man has never spent a day in jail, uh, I'm, I'm just drawing conclusions. We have to, we have to, law should make sense. Okay, and, and that is kind of comparing apples to oranges, but I, no, I do... One appra- is murder, one is outright murder, uh-huh. a man with a gun in his hand, knowing what he's doing, had dozens of options. But as you said, when you're, when you're impaired, you're no longer thinking straight. And, and I do want to speak to Ed's point, uh, Andrew Murray of Mad Canada. What about that argument that... He, he made a mistake. He owned up to it as best he could, given the situation, by pleading guilty, by now saying that he wants to advocate against drunk driving when he's released from prison. Has he done the most that he can do, given what Ed calls his mistake? Well, it's, it's never a mistake when you're impaired. It's a choice you make. And so you have to live with those consequences. And, you know, we don't know what the future holds, you know, um, Mr. Muso has a long prison sentence. He has a long driving prohibition. And there are uh, people that have been offenders that uh, have made good back into society once all their penalties and sentences, and that's up to him. And so maybe there can be some uh, good come out of this. But right now, you know, we're focusing on the penalty. We're focusing on the sentencing part. And that's way, way in the future. We'll be back with your calls and more reaction from Andrew Murray of Mad Canada in just a moment. 416-360-0740, You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. 
Mad Canada CEO Andrew Murray is joining us to talk about the sentencing of Marco Muzzo. He's been sentenced to a 10-year prison term, minus time served, followed by a 12-year driving ban. What will that 10-year prison sentence actually turn into, Andrew? Well, it'll turn into sometime between one-third and two-thirds uh, time served. Um, and, and a lot of it will be dependent on uh, Mr. Muzo's behavior, um, his ability to take uh, courses in respect to uh, the crime he's committed. And so uh, parole, day parole can begin as early as one-sixth of the sentence served. Dorothy from Toronto, you'd like to weigh in on today's developments? Hi, Jane. Thanks for taking my call, and thanks to Andrew as well, Mad uh, Canada. Um, you know what I really feel in my heart? My mom taught me this and taught all her seven children this. Come easy, go easy. And people who get things easily, they don't realize a lot of things. And being able to have your own private plane, and his father was a billionaire, and he just got everything so easily, it goes just as easily. And I think it's an injustice for people who have a lot of money to leave a lot of money to their children. They should have to work at minimum wage jobs. They should have to appreciate what other people have on hardly any money and have to work so hard. And this woman losing her family, I just wish they would sell their big private plane and everything and maybe have her leave her minimum wage job. I'm sure that's what she has, and her husband. And they should have been given a lot of money to just take a trip, the young parents and the mother and the grandmother, just go away somewhere in a peaceful, beautiful place for a while and just maybe she can have some money to start and have a couple of more kids. Andrew, how does this family go on, Jennifer Neville Lake and Ed Lake? How do they go on? They don't. Um, you know, their whole role was to be a mom and dad to those three children and, you know, also to be, you know, respectful to their parents. And that whole life has disappeared. And it's gone for the rest of their lives. And they will live with this horror um, every anniversary, every birthday, every special holiday is there's empty chairs around that table and the family will never be the same. She'll never be a mom. The dad will never be a dad again. And it's just horrible. And that's the piece. Once this story long leaves, you know, the media is that that's the suffering this family's going to go through. I can't imagine it. I, I literally hear hundreds of these stories. Each one, you know, brings tears to your eyes. You hug your own children, and you pray that it doesn't happen to you. And it's just horrible. And that's what the family's dealing with going forward. Connie uh, from Niagara Falls, I bet you feel the same way. Oh, my gosh. It's just gut-wrenching. I feel so bad for the Neville Lake family and the Muzo family. Marco Muzo, um, I don't know. You know what? I think that he should be in jail for a very long time because you know what? You can't t bring back the family and the children 
and the Muzo family. I mean, he had so much going for him. He had oh, a beautiful yeah. wife, and he was a you know attractive-looking guy. He mm-hmm. had a nice car. He had everything going for him. Common sense. You don't drink and drive. I mean, he he, he should know better. M-A-D-D, Mothers Against Drunk Driver. I'm a mother of one, of one daughter and a son-in-law. They even know better. You know, accidents do happen, but this was beyond an accident. You don't drink and drive. It's common sense. You know, we were talking about this on The Happy Gang this morning, and Eva D brought up the point. It is common sense until you're inebriated and you lose your common sense. And, and this is where my next question for Andrew comes in. And, um, you know, feel free to stay on the line, Connie. Where were his friends? His, his buddies he, 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 he on the plane. He could ring around his finger, dangled them, and say, here, buddy, you know, give me a ride home or take right. a limo. How, what kind of group of ushers lets their groom get in a car like that I know. in that state? What kind I of know. friends are those? It's terrible. You know, I mean, if we, if, if we, if we say, Andrew, that he was inebriated beyond the point of comprehending anything— Honestly, where is where are the people around him? And this and this plays out as we move forward after this. When anybody is in a state of inebriation, friends, family have to stop them from getting behind the wheel of a car. Absolutely. And you know what? If if people did that and didn't tolerate any type of uh, behavior, where whether you're using drugs or alcohol, and you know, getting behind a vehicle because you could kill yourself, you could kill others, as in this case. Um, we would have a whole different society. We'd have a whole different approach to impaired driving, and, and that's what we need. And even if you're a stranger and you see it, you know, you can call 911 let the police do their job. There's, there's many ways, but so many times the people closest to the offender didn't take action. And, you know, that's the fault here. And, you know, because I'm sure, you know, of – there was many people that interacted with Mr. Muso before he got behind the wheel of the car and should have taken that step. Baffling. 416-360-0740-1866-740-4740. Eileen from Brampton, what would you like to add? Yes, hi. I would just like to say that until this country actually does something, and by something I mean actually has impaired drivers lose their license permanently when caught, we're constantly going to be in this state of playing Russian roulette with people on the roads, and they get a slap on the hand. I'm I'm tired of the excuses for this uh, not being realistic, and it seems to me that the right to drive is actually trumped by the right to live. And yet, yet the, the person that I just listened to that talked about it as he made a mistake, well, if that's your idiotic idea of what a person who can cause this kind of destruction is on our roads, then maybe your idea of a mistake should cause you to lose your right to be behind the wheel. Not and, just for a while, I mean permanently. And Andrew, that's what it comes down to. Was it murder or was it mis- a mistake? And it sounds like the vast majority of our callers are saying it's murder and it should be treated as such. And, and it is in the criminal law. I mean, it's, you know, the maximum penalty is life imprisonment, just like first degree murder. And that's the way it is. I mean, I, I just totally disagree. It's, it's not a mistake. And, you know, there's, 
we've had experiences out west in British Columbia and Alberta now where as soon as you're charged at roadside, they impound your vehicle, and it's made an incredible difference. And I think the rest of the provinces, including Ontario, need to wake up and look at what's saving lives and start to implement that type of uh, laws and legislation. Mike in Smithville, what do you think about today's sentence? What would you like to say about it? Uh, thanks, Jane. Um, I've had some experience with this. When I was younger, I was in the auxiliary OPP, uh, and so I've seen what happens on the roads to, when people drink. Um, I wasn't surprised by the sentence today, but by the same token, I don't think it was right. Uh, Ed's comment of it's a mistake. Um, you have to be out there and see the tragedy on the highway when you go there to these accidents. It's very gut-wrenching, and um, this this was not a mistake. This was a tragedy. This was an avoidable tragedy. Um, it's a it's really something to see when these drunks are on the road. There was a fatality here in Niagara just last week with somebody going the wrong way in the QEW. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the case, and it happened this time, as it happened in the one that we're just talking about now. The drunk driver very rarely gets killed. The reason is because he's intoxicated. He doesn't tighten up on impact, mm-hmm. so he bounces like a baby. And generally speaking, the, the impaired driver survives the crash because the other person knows what's going to happen. They tighten up, and they usually get very seriously, if not fatally hurt. This situation with the 10-year, I mean, it's Canada. So you know he's not going in for 10 years. You know he's going out for good behavior. He's already showed good behavior. He's shown remorse. But the problem is, and if I'm not mistaken, please correct me, Jane, if I'm wrong, this gentleman also has a rap sheet that's quite long. With he does. A lot, with a lot of incidents that have happened in the past. And it's the rich boy having a great time, not accountable because money can buy anything. No fewer than 10, as a matter of fact. Well, that's, that's my point exactly. And it's the fact that, dog, oh, don't worry, if I get pulled over, so what? I mean, I'll get Greenspan, he'll get me off, and life moves on. He never expected it to happen to this case. So, I mean, this is a situation here where, where we've just got to... As far as I'm concerned, it should have been four manslaughter charges. As far as I'm concerned, this guy should be in jail for 20, 30 years without the option of parole. That's my feeling. That's the only way you're going to get the message across because I believe the police are even saying now that the amount of impaired drivers on the road is actually increasing. So the message is not getting out there. The carnage is unbelievable. The destruction of family lives forever is permanent. And these people usually walk away. I mean, that's what his Marco died. He got up and he walked out of his car. And so, I mean, and I'm sure the children were strapped in. I'm sure they were following the law that says seatbelts save lives. Well, here's an incident where seatbelts don't save lives. But, I mean, they never talk about that. They only tell you in the newspaper if they weren't wearing a seatbelt. But they won't tell you that the majority of people killed on the highways in Ontario or Canada died with their seatbelt on. But, I mean, that happens. Seatbelts aren't 100% guaranteed. So this whole thing to me today was, was I, I expected it exactly as it's going to go. I think he's going to walk in a few years and he's going to be out having a good time again. I hope that that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But our system in this country usually doesn't, doesn't apply the law. They apply the law to what the law is, but the law is not strong enough that people understand. And that's why impaired driving is continuing to go up right now, because there's really no huge offense for doing it yeah I mean, it's just the whole thing's wrong it's a very sickening case i mean i've got kids it bothers me to think about what that family's going through and it bothers me to know that the legal system in this country 
really doesn't look after a situation like that so that the message is very clear. Mike, we really appreciate all your comments, and uh, that'll be the last word before we let Andrew Murray go. We're going to continue talking about Marco Muzzo's sentence after the break, but just quickly, Andrew, and thank you so much for your time. There is a lot of outrage. What can people do other than express their anger over what's happened? Well, I, I think we don't want these three young children and the grandfather to die and just come a distant memory. Uh, we and Matt and working with the family and other victims of impaired driving would like to work with our politicians to bring in law that actually stops people from driving impaired. And so we encourage, you know, our federal members and, and have people contact them. Let's not talk tough. Let's work smarter and let's get legislation that actually stops impaired driving before it begins. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. 416-360-0740-1866-744-740. Up next to discuss the Marco Muzzo sentencing, local criminal lawyer Ari Goldkind next on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Libby returns tomorrow. She's on assignment today. We're speaking about the sentencing of Marco Muzzo. And if you're just tuning into the radio, he received a 10-year prison term, minus the time he's already served, followed by, once he's released from custody, a 12-year driving ban. Let's get right to Ari Goldkind, who's been offering some very thoughtful comment on uh, this morning's sentencing. Uh, Ari, was this the sentence you expected? It was, and good afternoon to you and your listeners. It really was. There was no surprise here. Uh, the judge, uh, I guess, unfortunately, in a way, to some, didn't have to do any heavy lifting. And what I mean is that she didn't depart from the usual sentences. She didn't, quote, throw the book, end quote, Adam. The, the defense said eight. The Crown said 10 to 12. And to no surprise whatsoever to me, she simply split the difference. This was not a surprise to anybody like me who does this for a living. Is that because of his admitted guilt and remorse? Yeah, well, yes. The fact that he uh, pled guilty is a huge, huge factor here. As much as that doesn't bring lives back and as much as it may be very, very hollow to the Neville Lake family, when somebody pleads guilty and doesn't go through the usual rigmarole that so many people charged with impaired driving do, I mean, fancy lawyers, technical applications, saying the machine is broken. I mean, he pled guilty, but let's not forget, he was caught red-handed at the scene, urinating all over himself. So, you know, it's easy to be remorseful when you're caught. It's quite a picture when you think about that level of inebriation. And I want to talk more uh, in a moment here about what the judge said in her lecture before she brought down the sentence. First, let's get to Paul and Milton. What do you have to say about this, Paul? Uh, I'm Paul, and I've been through this. Uh, in 1965, I was sentenced to two weeks in jail in the Dillon prison. That was after three different cases, two which I won. Um, I believe that uh, this excessive jail time is like a, an Arab thing of vengeance. Jail does not do you any good. Rehabilitation work is what does you good. Alcoholics Anonymous, I have not drank since 1965 which is 50 years. Congratulations. Well, I, I'm humble. I realize every day is a brand new day. 
but that won't, I, I know the enormity of it, and it won't bring them back to life. But rehabilitation is the only thing that's just destroying one more life. I believe the enormity has hit this young man, and he will never do the same again. But that's what Alcoholics Anonymous can do. Why did you um, quit drinking? Did you quit drinking because of, of your criminal offense? No, God, no. I couldn't wait out of jail to get another drink. That okay. just makes you ferociously mad, jail. And the talk that you get in jail, too, incite you. To so what, ma- what made you quit? What made you quit, Paul? Prayers to God. I turned my life over to the care of God completely. And uh, I belong to AA, and uh, I'm very happy to say I spent 50 years of not drinking. And, and I've had fun like you'd never believe. I got rich. I've got a lot of money. And I have a very, very good time. Well, and that's a good point, Ari, that Paul makes. Uh, is it the, the prison sentence that's going to first deter people from drinking and driving, or is it going to f- fix them once they're in there because they've been, they've been slapped in the face by justice? A few points there. Good questions. First of all, prison never fixes anything. It's a crude instrument to separate people from society who are a danger. Marco Muzzo, no matter what sentence you think he should or should not get, will never be a danger again. He will never be the Paul Bernardo kind of rapist, murderer, bank robber, anything like that. However, there has to be a sentence that reflects two people not to get behind the wheel of the car. The conversation that I think that should be happening today, and it will not happen because I always think the conversations on what I call anti-social media never lead anywhere positive, is why is Marco Muzzo getting hammered for 10 years? Remember, he's going to do a third of that 10 years, so he'll be out in three and a third. But why is he more morally blameworthy than some other drinker and driver, a thousand of them a day in Canada, I mean, it's probably more than that, actually, who there but for the grace of, if you believe in a higher power, don't have the misfortune of plowing into a car filled with babies and a grandfather? Why is he more guilty, 10 years more guilty, than the average Joe who gets pulled over at a ride spot check, and when he gets the same court proceeding, only because he's been lucky enough not to kill anybody, he gets the following, a $1,000 fine, a criminal record, and a one-year driving prohibition. To me, Marco Muzzo is just the victim of a horrible human set of consequences where he deserves 10 years. Some could say 25, some could say less. There's no bringing back these babies. But we need Parliament to start thinking that it has some blood on its hands when it says in the criminal code, drinking and driving is legal. And yes, I just said that. I did not misspeak. Drinking and driving is legal so long as you are at 0.79. If you're at 0.80, you're a criminal. We need to have Parliament understand the role of alcohol, alcohol companies, advertising, all these other unpopular things we don't talk about versus this idea that, Paul, that uh, Marco Muzzo is the Paul Bernardo du jour. He's not. I just want to read some of what Jennifer Neville Lake is saying outside the courthouse in Newmarket uh, to reporters. Uh, she has said this was a choice made by an individual and choices or actions have consequences. Uh, she's showing photos of her father and family. Um, she says, by our 10-year wedding anniversary, Marco Muzzo had already killed our family. She references 10 years quite a lot because that's the prison term given out. She says, all I keep thinking is my son never made it to 10 years. 
when you choose to drink and drive, you're hurting other families, you're killing someone else's babies. They died hugged by us, surrounded by all the family and friends. Uh, they sang to them somewhere over the rainbow as they turned off their life support machines. This is this is rough stuff, Ari. This is um... not only is it rough stuff, but here's the problem: this isn't going to change anything unless people look at this in a different way and take it a different direction. Rather than talking about Marco Muzzo, and your listeners may know what an outlier is, which is a, a, a an event that is unlike anything else before it, so to speak. Drinking and driving doesn't usually result in a fatality. Where this could have positive change, rather than bellyaching and complaining, is car manufacturers now are facing a mandatory situation where a backup camera is now mandatory or about to be mandatory in every car sold in Canada. That's right, a backup camera. We may need to, as a society, given what we can do with apps, and technology have some kind of apparatus where when you get into a car, if your breath gives off any suggestion of alcohol, your car won't work or something like that. And that is the only way this case, to me, could be used in the future to prevent future drinking and driving. Because right now, everybody listening to this thinks, I could never be Marco Muzzo. I could never kill anybody. I would never kill three, four babies. But every time you're on your phone texting, Literally texting, forget even drinking. You are literally opening yourself up to exactly what Marco Muzzo is right now, which is from a law-abiding person who led a no-criminal-past life to being public enemy number one. That's where the behavior is not changing, and I don't think focusing on Marco Muzzo will change it. We need to focus on the ordinary average texter and drinking and driver who leaves a hockey game, wedding, or bar mitzvah. 416-360-0740, We have a call from the U.S., Illinois. Richard, you wanted to add a point to the conversation? Yes, hi. Um, after listening to what's going on, I totally agree with the last couple of callers, Mike and the last person. Uh, there should be actually truth in sentencing. We had a case in Texas where the kid was let off because he was too affluent. And, you know, that's that's ridiculous. Plus, you look at Giango Messi. Um, you know, those women had a, a definite problem, and yet he was totally let off. So I don't see how letting some people off like that, good behavior or just a couple years slap on the wrist, or in, in the case of Giango Messi, not even convicted. Ari Goldkind, how would the sentence have differed differed in other countries like the U.S.? Sure, in the U.S., and uh, I'll refrain from commenting on a couple of those things. I don't agree with one of them. In the U.S., he would likely have faced consecutive sentences. And what that means to people who don't know concurrent versus consecutive is he got 10 years, and the judge gave him 10 years on every death he caused and five years on the injuries to those in the car who were not killed. That's all served at the exact same time. So it's not like we go 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 5. Very often in the States, but more particularly when it comes to sort of murderers and rapes or a serial killer or a serious rapist, you will get 25-year sentences consecutive. So you will end up getting literally, and I'm not joking here, 200 years in jail, 100 years in jail. That being said, as appealing as that may be to many listeners or many callers today, that would be the absolute wrong way to go in our society. There is nothing 
about criminal justice in the U.S. that Canada should ever want to model, including if you're a person who thinks sentences are too light or were too lenient. The dangerous people here tend to find their way behind bars. People like Marco Muzzo, who have a much more complicated situation, even though he's getting 10 years and he'll be out in a third, which in many ways is ridiculous and is a legal fiction that we tell ourselves when we tuck ourselves in at night, there is something to be said for not having non-dangerous people behind bars because, as one of your callers said, there is nothing to be gained from that, and we cannot bring back the beautiful babies who were lost here or the grandfather. Sometimes life has very complex problems that do not have easy solutions. The judge said the message that every drinking driver is a potential killer of innocent members of the community continues to go unheeded. Does this message, will it continue to go unheeded, even though we have all lived through hearing about this horrific incident that led to three children and their grandfather being killed? Absolutely. I think, uh, as unpopular as this may seem, it will go completely unheeded. It will change nothing, and I'll just give you a brief example that listeners all throughout North America would appreciate. This case, the Mutso case, took place in a place called Newmarket, York Region. On the very weekend that Marco Muzzo was being sentenced last month, where there was going to be victim impact statements. The mother gave the most beautiful, beautiful victim impact statement. It was profound. It should be played at every DMV or Motor Vehicle License Bureau in perpetuity on a wall hmm. while you get your license or reapply for it. The moral of the story here is that until people get the message that you're going to get hammered, just by having a drink and getting into a car, behavior will not change. This, it's Right now, people are texting and looking at their phone, uh, going to a hockey game. It just doesn't change behavior. Parliament needs to get involved. And as I said at the beginning, on the weekend of the sentencing, there were more drinking and driving arrests. On the weekend, the mother was in the court talking about her babies than at any point before. If that doesn't tell you something about what's going on in the world in the very region where Marco Muzzo did this, I don't know what other way there is to get the message across. Ari, will you stay with us till the top of the hour? Love to hear what you have to say about this. Sure. Okay. We'll be back with Ari Goldkind and your calls, 416-360-0740, You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. We're joined by defense lawyer Ari Goldkind discussing the sentence uh, put forth today for Marco Muzzo, 10 years in prison. Oh, you got to take time served out of that, and then that will be followed by a 12-year dr uh, driving ban. Ari, what will prison life be like for Marco Muzzo? Great question. So let's bring people into how this actually really works, because I don't think a lot of people understand how fictitious much of our sentencing is, no matter what side of the fence you're on. So right now, he's in a paddy wagon going back to the Central East Jail in Lindsay. That's a provincial institution, and I'll explain what that means in a second. He will then very shortly be sent to Millhaven or Kingston, which is a maximum security prison out in Kingston. He's sent there because he's going to be classified. And all that means is when somebody gets a sentence that's longer than two years, they go to the penitentiary. But like people know, because we've heard the term club fed, 
when it comes to certain prisons in the States, you know, like cushy country club kinds of prisons, he will be classified there in a month or two as a very or extraordinarily low security risk. So he might be there for a month or two, and then he will be very quickly shipped to an extremely low security institution. Now, what do I mean by that? He will not be behind bars. So any of your listeners who are picturing him in a jail cell, you need to get that picture out of your head. He will be living in essentially a townhouse with three or four other people. He will have a kitchen. He will have grass. There will not be bars on the walls. It will sort of be like a midstream summer camp that children sometimes go to, except he will not be allowed to leave it. He will be able to wear his own clothes. He will be there for no more than three years, and that will be the end of his sentence, and he will be back out uh, at Canada's Wonderland, Loblaws, Sobeys, Metro, with his wife in three years. That is exactly what's going to happen, period. And what can he do during his days? Does he get to exercise? How much space does he get? Does he have access to the Internet? How does that work? Yes, 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 and yes. He's not in a situation where he wouldn't be able to access the Internet in the usual course. For example, a Paul Bernardo or a pedophile or somebody who's used the Internet for nefarious purposes. It might be limited or it might be restricted, but he will be in literally, and I mean this literally, Canada's lowest security penitentiary because it reflects, as unpopular again as this might be when I say it, the fact that he is no security risk whatsoever. He is no risk to offend in the jail or after jail. And in fact, the biggest threat to him right now, and it is a very real threat, as much as your listeners might say he has it coming, is that he may take a beating in the penitentiary, because there's sort of a weird code in the penitentiary when you offend against children, the perception amongst your other neighbors, and I use the term neighbors politely, is that you're sort of getting away with murder. And I think a lot of people might have read last week, and you might have as well, about the Subway Sandwiches pitchman, Jared Fogel, Mm -hmm. who took a horrendous beating in jail. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen here, even though some would say it's justice for the four children. We just need to hold ourselves up as a bit of a society that has the rule of law, and I expect him to serve an uneventful three years, and obviously they will know he's a target. But anybody thinking he's in there for 10 years, get that idea out of your head. Sandra from Cambridge, we'd like to hear your comments. Hi, Jane, thank you. Um, I have worked in the justice system for many, many years, a lot of them, a lot of that time with victims, preparing victim impact statements and going to court with victims. I have also worked with offenders in jail, just to give you a tad of a background. I can't imagine, I can't imagine, you know, how those parents feel today. I, I can't imagine it. And and I, your lawyer made wonderful points. It's not 10 years, it's three. I can't imagine going home and, and, and knowing that. I don't know what the maximum sentence is for for impaired driving causing death. Um, but yeah. if this is close to it, there's something seriously wrong with our justice system. And it is close to it, isn't it, Ari? It's actually life. So your caller is quite right in what she said, that the maximum punishment is life. And her point is actually even more interesting, because if you can imagine a situation with three dead babies and a grandfather and injured people in the car where the crown would get close to that, this would be the case. The crown position, and when I say crown, crown means the state, the people. 
was 10 to 12 years. So it tells you something about drinking and driving. But the flip side to that coin, just so your caller understands, is we tend to want to limit those kinds of sentences for people who are really, and I'm not saying you should agree with me, caller, but we really want to limit it to people who really have malice really have planning, who decide to rack a gun and go at three in the morning to a convenience store and beat up a shopkeeper at three in the morning and take lottering tickets and pistol whip her until she dies. We tend to reserve those kinds of sentences for those kinds of people. Here you have a horrible set of situation and circumstances with four dead people and hurt people but we don't have the level of moral blameworthiness which the law looks at to say this is a monster that needs to be locked up. I know it's not popular, and I may not change your mind, but that's the thinking that goes on behind these sorts of things. Carol from Aiton, you can add your comments to the conversation as we uh, get into the last couple of minutes here. Yes, I'd like to just comment that if he loses his license for 12 years, it really doesn't mean that he, he can't drive. It just means he can't drive legally. And I think we know that there are a lot of people on the roads that have suspended license that just keep on driving until they get caught again. Um, the other one, another comment I'd like to make is if all convicted drivers, um, if we just take their vehicle away from them that day, just completely take it away and sell it, give the money to our, to the police in order to, for their work, I think we'd, we'd create a lot more money and I'll do a comparison. If I go out and I catch a fish illegally, whether I'm one over the limit or whatever, um, I can lose everything, including my license permanently any equipment that I have with me, my truck, anything, everything, gone, permanently. Now, in this case, a little rich boy, probably it wouldn't affect him too badly, but there's a lot of people that that would affect them, and if it was a borrowed car, it would probably affect them even more. Ari, where are we letting down society? I mean, police seem to be doing what they can with ride programs. What, how can we actually affect change? Well, your caller raises a really good point about how many people really do drive suspended. I can't even begin to tell you. you your, your, your eyes would roll at the number of people right now driving all over Ontario and specifically this city who are unlicensed and suspended drivers. Interestingly, if you get caught doing that, you get a more harsh punishment than you do for half the crimes in the criminal code. It's quite interesting. But where we're letting people down, and I will say this because I'm hoping somebody here decides to start calling Parliament and not just Facebook and Twitter, is we are really focusing on the kind of case that happens once every three, four years. Mutso is an outlier. If people really wanted to make change, and as your caller talked about, if you catch a fish illegally, you've got big trouble coming. It is ridiculous to me, and I'm a defense lawyer, and you know, people could say it's traitorous to say it. I don't really care. I tell it like I see it. The fact that you can have two or three times the legal limit in your body, just like Muzo, but you're lucky enough to get home or only a ride check, and then you come to court and plead guilty, how that's worth only a $1,000 fine and a one-year driving prohibition utterly and completely escapes me. So whether it's taking people's car or anything like that, we need to – look, there's lots of money for police and assault rifles and tasers and every other piece of thing. Let's put more money into ride programs outside the Air Canada Centre, weddings and bar mitzvahs at expensive places. There is a, there's a very close relationship here between the alcohol companies, advertising, uh, government 
politicians, you know, there's a lot of donations, a lot of lobbying, which is why booze is legal, marijuana is illegal, if you think that through. There's a very cozy, and I think too cozy, relationship. If you want to make change, make zero alcohol the standard in a person's body when they drive the way they do in many other countries in the world, and which we say to new drivers as they earn their stripes. Now, that might be anti-adult and anti what certain people think, but there's no driving is a privilege. Okay, that's right. got to be the final word. Ari, appreciate your time. Great insight and, and great points. We we'll hope to have you on again. Love to. Thank you so much. Thank you for your calls. Sorry for those of you who we couldn't get to. It's obviously a very um, intense and passionate topic for a lot of people. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.